0: Boom, two planker podcast. We're here with Mitchell Brower, and I could not be more excited. Mitchell, thank you for joining us, dude.
1: Stoked to be here, man.
0: Yeah. This one, when I asked the folks at Line, who's who's your best? They were like, you got to talk to Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I just, I, I'm very excited to talk to you. We'll do the biography because I don't know if you've done it. You've never done a podcast before, correct? No. Okay, well, strap in because we're gonna be here for a little while. I know you okay. got, I know you got a <laughs> wife and kids, so I hope, I hope you have some time <laughs> to spare.
1: Yeah, Bye kids on. are asleep and wife's chilling. So
0: beautiful. We're good. Well, why don't you start off and tell everybody where you're at right now? Where are you joining us from?
1: Yeah, here in uh, Draper, Utah, at my house. Um, yeah.
0: Let's see. Draper, Utah. Now, where is that in relation to a landmark that I would know? Let's see. (laughs) It's just, like, right
1: next to Salt Lake. It's, like, it's considered, like, Salt Lake area. Yeah. In the same valley. It's pretty far south, though. You're, like, you're just south of Sandy. Yep, yep. Yeah. So it's pretty pretty close, like, pretty quick drive up to Little Cottonwood Canyon. So that's, like, where I spend a lot of my time so i've heard yeah (laughs)
0: so yeah tell everyone where you're from from my understanding you're a utah kid through and through is that correct
1: yeah yep i was born born here uh lived here my whole life so Mm -hmm. yeah just uh grew up skiing at snowbird on the snowbird ski team so i was like racing for a long time and uh just a pretty awesome place to be like you hear about all the east coast guys that dream about coming here and i feel like so lucky that i just had it all along
0: yeah man i mean yeah you (laughs) you guys are lucky growing up in that environment so did you always grow up in draper or like just like in the salt lake valley like where did you move around utah at all
1: not really yeah just uh grew up in draper and yeah ended up buying a house here uh, a few years ago so um yeah just draper i went to a school called alta high school it's not related to alta Ski Area at all but yeah just always been been here in draper except for like college and stuff but yeah, yeah.
0: that's great man that's great and i I want to ask you about this. I don't always ask everyone about their families, but I'd like to know about your family because I know that you have a brother that also rides and you guys had a video series at one point. So tell everyone <laughs> about your family a little bit.
1: Yeah. Um, so my mom and dad, uh, they had five kids and I'm the fourth in in that line. So I've uh, got three brothers and one sister and my dad got us all skiing pretty early so we all like grew up ski racing all of us like ski raced until we finished high school at least and uh yeah it's like pretty cool to have a big family like we everyone except my sister still lives in pretty much in draper so we we have sunday dinner every week and we uh go mountain biking together and do all sorts of stuff. So it's pretty cool that I'll be here and still, still be good friends.
0: Yeah. That is incredibly, incredibly wholesome. I like, that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just so great, man. So I want to, your ski career is long, man. How old are you now?
1: <laughs> I'm, oh my gosh, I'm in 1989. So I'm 33.
0: 33, that is a, that you're like a ancient relic in the world. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Like 33 is like, I work with so many people that are in their thirties and I'm like, damn, like you seem like you're as young as you've ever been. But it's funny because that's like, for a lot of people, that's like, oh, well, I'm done skiing now, you know, and yeah, that's, yeah. that's not the case for you. But yeah, that is funny that that's kind of old for skiing, but not in any other aspect of life yeah. at
1: all. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, so, so tell true. us about tell us about the early skiing. You were a racer and how long yeah. and how long were you a racer for?
1: So yeah, I I raced, you know, probably started like competitive racing in like first grade or something, you know. And yeah, I was like fully in it um and then in high school, I was able to have like athletic release time. So I like I think it was like every day I got to go like after lunch and go, go up to snowbird and train. So, um, yeah, I was like fully in it and had a pretty good time. It was like my, my, like the end of my racing years were, you know, the last of high school and it was like some crazy snow years. So I like, it was kind of a crazy year to be racing because just every race was just snowy. But, um, yeah, I, I like felt like I was doing pretty well at you know, when I was like seventeen and eighteen, and um, yeah, it was it was awesome. i'm a, I'm a big fan of racing still. I think racing's sick.
0: Yeah, so what drew you away from racing?
1: Um so I was just kind of like didn't love having to like strip into a downhill suit and ski when it was like horrible weather. It was like if it was always sunny and like good conditions, then I probably would like still be ski racing. But it was just like that kind of wore me down. I didn't, I didn't think, and then I was just like not quite good enough to like make it to the next level. So that was another thing where it was like, yeah, I think, and I was like super stoked on free skiing too. So it was like, yeah, I think uh, after this, I'm gonna focus on free skiing or
0: yeah in terms of early influences were you were you I don't I don't know the first thing about ski racing I'll tell you that right now (laughs) but like did you have like ski racing influences because it doesn't seem like you're watching like a video of like a racing montage and you're like oh this is so sick like you're probably still watching like freestyle skiing right
1: yeah yeah um as far as like racing goes I was like a big fan of Bodie Miller growing up Um, He was really cool and, like, just a crazy good skier and always, like, super entertaining to watch. And then, like, it was a really young kid. uh, I liked Herman Meyer. He's an Austrian beast. Yeah. And uh, so my dad actually is – so he runs a business. He started a business a long time ago called Brower Timing, and he makes timing systems for – like any ski racing team will have one for training purposes. Like it's a wireless timing system. And so like he was kind of showed me some of the cool ski racing guys to look up to. And, um, yeah. So it was like, yeah. (laughs) No, that's great. Yeah. And so in
0: terms of like the freestyle stuff, who were you looking at? I've, I think I've read some interviews where That's one of those questions I kind of know what you've said in the past, but I want to, I want to know what you looking back now, what you, what I remember. Yeah. 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 Like I was like
1: super, like I was watching level one back then. Um, I think in like middle school was the first time I saw like like a level one, saw Shanghai six and I was really stoked on all those guys. Um, let's see there was like some local heroes like blake nyman um uh stefan thomas my brother kevin Brower. um there was like all those dudes that were like that i'd see sometimes you know and so those were big influences then uh i think like before i stopped racing like the biggest influence was uh like Teddy Bear Crisis and Atomic actually made this really cool movie called 44 Days that my brother was in. And so like he him and Tim Dirty and uh like there's there's some really, really cool dudes in there, and they're all like landing switch and powder and like had like baggy clothes, like skiing backcountry, like it was a full backcountry. I guess it wasn't all backcountry, but I liked watching all the backcountry stuff. It was like the first, some of the coolest backcountry stuff I had seen at that point. And so I was like super stoked to like learn how to to land switch and powder and ski switch in pow and like uh, just be like those guys.
0: Yeah, that's uh, dude. I love hearing about like people's early influences, man? It's so uh, <laughs> so cool. Yeah, it's just uh, it's really it's nice hearing where everyone started because eventually you become influences for other people, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's cool hearing who you guys look up to. Um, yeah. And
1: it, I, I, I wish I could, I mean, it's been so long. I don't, I don't watch a ton of skiing now. so it's hard to like recall all the names, but if I had a little more time to sit down, I could give you all the good names, but yeah, it's like that's basically like, watching cool ski movies and getting stoked to be like those guys yeah and then so
0: 19 years old you stop racing where does I, I forget where which article i read this in but you went on a korean speaking mission to to los angeles is that like a yeah. that was a was that a pivotal turning point in your life
1: <laughs> yeah so For those who don't know, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, A lot of people know us as the Mormons. And that's like a a kind of a rite of passage as a young member of the church is you, when you turn 19, and and now it's 18, but you go on a a two-year mission, you don't really have a say in where you go. You kind of say, you send in your papers that you want to go do this mission and serve people and go teach about Christ and stuff. And they send you somewhere. And so, yeah, mine was in Los Angeles in Koreatown speaking Korean. And so that was like, you know, graduated high school, finished racing and everything. And then I always knew I was going to do that mission. And so I was like stoked to go and do it. And yeah, it was, it was like, it was awesome. I, I, I like think about it all the time i still have really good friends um, from my mission and it was just a it was insane like really hard really cool like learned a ton yeah
0: that is great and if you don't mind i'd like to i'd like to take a minute just to do a cultural study for context (laughs) for context i was raised jewish and i always think it's funny when people beat around the bush And, like, they're, like, afraid to ask questions because it's, like, just ask your question. Whatever you want to know, just ask it. So my question for you, first of all, is the term Mormon offensive in any way, shape, or form? Before I ask any
1: other questions. (laughs) No, no. It's, like, until about a couple years ago, like, the church, like, kind of embraced that name. Uh And then a few years ago, like, the the president of the church was, like, you know, we want to be known... As what we are we're christians and we believe in christ we want to have like people call us by our name the church of jesus christ and so yeah. uh no it's not offensive
0: okay perfect because that is a term <laughs> i'm i'm used to using and it's a term that's stuck in my vocabulary so i'm glad i could yeah. use it. what is it like growing up mormon in utah because it seems like you know that's like me asking what it's like to grow up jewish in like brooklyn it's like oh <laughs> like they're everywhere they're everywhere <laughs> around you so like did and, – uh, and for context, like I think a lot of the people that I have on the show are like transplants to Utah. So for them, yeah. it's a big culture shock when they move there and they're like, whoa, this is this whole community that I like pretty much know nothing about. And yeah, yeah. I'm not really ever going to like be a part of or kind of really interact with in a meaningful way. But on your side, what was it like growing up in a culture where you're completely <laughs> surrounded by it?
1: Well, yeah, first off, I, I wish I knew more about the Jewish culture, like yeah. your reference there. I was like, yeah, I guess maybe there's a lot of Jewish people in Brooklyn. But yeah, um, no, yeah, uh, I could talk your ear off about like my uh, culture and everything. So just stop me if, if I ramble on too much. But yeah, there I like, can, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, It's it's an interesting thing because like in Utah, yeah, there's a lot of lot of Mormons around and so you can kind of decide how much you want to like some people call it a bubble and you can be in the bubble or or not and I definitely was like full on and went to church every Sunday like had really good friends in the church and all my all my good friends that I like skateboard with and stuff too they were all members of the church as well so it was like really cool to have, like, a cool community of, of cool dudes that are Mormon, too, but, like, you know, if you, if you didn't want to be a part of it, then you really didn't have to, like, especially once, like, you get into, like, middle school, high school, like, people can do whatever, like, people will go whatever way they want, you know, and so I think, for me, like, a thing that I value was, like, ski racing, because there was, like, maybe a couple dudes that were also members of the church, like in the whole area that also skied, like no one even skied. Like it's funny. I g- grew up in for like Salt Lake and like, didn't know like very many people that skied, but uh, yeah, I was saying like ski racing was cool. Cause I was kind of like friends with all these dudes that were like you said, just from a different culture than I, I was. And so I think it was like, good for me to like open my mind and see like what it is about about like their culture in air quotes yeah that I like and what I did like what I didn't what I wanted to stay away from and so I think it strengthened my faith in a lot of ways and kind of like made it so I could just like mesh well with other people too. Like that I didn't have to like be standoffish or weird or whatever. And Just like, I like being friends with whoever whoever will be friends with me, you know?
0: Yeah. It's, I think, I think, so I've been all over this great country at this point. I've been everywhere, (laughs) seen everything for the most part. Been part of a lot of, just been around the block. And Salt Lake (laughs) is one of the most interesting places because you know, it has this religious community that's huge, and then just as big, it seems like, is the ski community. And so it's these, <laughs> it's just these. It's really weird that these two communities are living aside, like alongside one another, and in, yeah. in many ways, in terms of, like especially in terms of their recreational activities, they couldn't be more
1: different. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, yeah, like it's, it's pretty funny. Like there's, like there's plenty of Mormons that ski, and it's like. It's like a like a lot of people do it but yeah like as far as free skiing culture like there's like almost no overlap like yeah I feel like I've met a few, like I have some homies that are all good dudes that I ski with that are members of the church but like and there's not very many <laughs>
0: yeah well I mean because okay so correct me if I'm wrong but there's no drinking or smoking correct
1: yeah and that's that's like. Being in the ski community, that's, like, just always been a thing that, you know, it's kind of weird, like, because I don't do it. Yeah, I don't, I don't drink, I don't smoke, um, and just, like, being in the social side of the ski, free skiing community is just, like, funny, because it's, like, I'm not, like, trying to judge anybody, but, you know, when you don't partake, like, people kind of feel weird, so it's just, like, it's been a weird kind of a weird thing to balance yeah throughout the years well
0: you don't need to say it because I'll say it there is hardly anything more annoying in the world than being sober around someone who's drunk so I (laughs) applaud you for (laughs) hanging out socially in the ski scene because if you're sober and the person that you're hanging out with is drunk and getting sloppy oh my God, it is hard to not to want to kill them. Like, like <laughs> so I, I respect that greatly about you that you've stuck to your and, hands over there.
1: Yeah, and it's like, you know, like, it gets to a point, you know, and like once it gets to a point where I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm not really talking to like my friend anymore. yeah. Or like, I feel like they're not going to quite remember this or something Then I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to like go to bed or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, once I kind of see that it's like, I'm not really talking to that person anymore. Yeah, then it's not not so fun anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so that's like that is so interesting, man. We could I mean, we could really talk about that all day. I think that other cultures <laughs> are so interesting. But um yeah, I mean like reading like just reading your life story, you know, they, it doesn't go, it doesn't say like Mitchell Brower Mormon, but it's like Oh, he went on a mission, and then he went to BYU, and I'm just like, okay, well, yeah. it doesn't take a genius to put two and two together, like, he's had a, he's had a unique life, you know, for the so I wanted to take an opportunity to ask you about that, but yeah. you learned, so you learned Korean at, like, 19 years old just for this for this two-year project or this two-year mission, so, um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, do you want to speak about how that, like, transformed your life at all? I mean, that's, that's pretty intense, that's an intense process.
1: Yeah. Like it was, it was pretty cool. Like at the beginning of your mission, you go to the missionary training center in Provo and I spent 12 weeks there with all the, all the, the elders, all my friends that were also going on a mission. And, um, by the end of the 12 weeks, you could like say hi and like kind of a memorized thing about, the church and like just like very basic Korean stuff and you have a horrible accent and stuff. And it was pretty hard in LA because, you know, you can get by speaking English if you want to. So, you know, I tried to work hard and study my Korean every morning and try to talk to people every day. And, um, and it was pretty funny because all the Korean, like the Korean culture is like, so it's like really interesting but they like get super stoked when you're speaking korean and you're this this white dude and yeah. so like that was always a confidence boost because they would you would just say hello and they would you'd be like and they'd be like oh my gosh your korean is so good <laughs> like, well i haven't said anything yet but so that was like it was really cool and like over the years like just getting better and trying to communicate with people better. It was like really cool. And one of the interesting things about my mission was something that I've never experienced after is people would just kind of open up about their like deepest beliefs with you. So it was like really cool because you would just, you would be a missionary, you got the missionary tag on and you'd say like, Oh, do you believe in God? And then they would like, that's like a pretty crazy question that, people wouldn't want to talk about, but since you're a missionary, they would talk about it with you and you'd you'd talk about their family and whatever. And just like it was cool to just be able to make such a deep connection with people right off the bat, like on the street or just like knocking on their door or something. Um, Yeah,
0: yeah, that's great. I think um, it's so funny you say that, because like I've always been I've always been interested in those big questions, you know, And I've been, I've never come to any certain conclusions, you know, obviously I was raised Jewish, but like a lot of Jews are just like, they're just like, ah, I don't don't know. It's a very Jewish trait actually, as a matter of fact, to be like, "Ah, I don't (laughs) know, you just shrug your shoulders. But it's funny because in college, I don't think I've ever shared this. I've definitely never shared this in the podcast, but I haven't really shared it with anyone. (laughs) But there's like religious groups on campus where like a rabbi, or like a priest or somebody will like try to recruit people for the group and perhaps other religion and so like i would just see these people in like the student union and they would ask me and i would just sit down with them and talk like just while i'm eating my lunch (laughs) because they'd go around and i'd be like yeah sure like well let's go let's just talk for an hour And, and it's funny because like like you said i say this on the podcast all the time what we're what mean you are doing right now is not a normal everyday conversation like not every day do I get to sit down and just dissect someone's life for two hours, you know, <laughs> like it's really unique and then afterwards we, we walk away a little bit more bonded than we were before, but what you're doing is like the next level of that is like, <laughs> hey, like here's the central questions to what it means to be a human being. Let's talk about those. And it's like, wow,
1: like, yeah. that's, getting,
0: that's getting straight to it. Like there's plenty of friends I've never had any conversation like that with and to have <laughs> it with strangers. I mean, that's, that's a really cool experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, and it's like, well, I was going to say it's, it's kind of cool to be on the other side where you, someone's just interviewing you and, like helping me remember things about my life and whatever like that's really cool and I feel like special that you're you're doing that too so yeah definitely like so cool to, to do this and um yeah like like you were saying it's cool to like you know obviously not everyone would talk to you about their deepest beliefs but like you would get to do that fairly often and so that was one of the things I I thought was pretty cool about wearing the missionary tag
0: yeah it's uh and it is cool that the church it doesn't they don't care where in the world they're sending kids like i was (laughs) talking i was riding where was i i was at snowmass riding up the gondola and it was these kids and you know like obviously as you get older you start to see 19 year olds differently when you're 19 you feel like you're a man and then when you're like (laughs) even like four years later you're like oh that's like a kid i'm talking to right now and uh and the and this kid was like, yeah, I'm going to Madagascar for two years, and I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> like that is really that is really something, like that is really impressive, and uh, yeah, it's, that always struck me. It's really crazy.
1: It's crazy, yeah. Funny you mentioned Madagascar, my my good friend Peter Fitz, who was like one of the dudes that I would that would like consistently free ski with in high school and middle school and stuff he went to Madagascar on his mission and I was just like, Whoa. Yeah. And uh, yeah, my brother, Kevin, he went to Ecuador on his mission. Um, so yeah, it's, it is kind of crazy. Like you could just get sent to the most random place and that's where you'll be for two years.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, And I, and I want to ask this in the most respectful way possible, but it's just, it's such a culture. It's such a cultural thing that like, I just got to ask you it because the, the play, the Broadway play, the Book of Mormon, which is like essentially a comedy, like making light of the whole mission experience. They go to Uganda and it's like <laughs> all the stuff goes wrong. Like, do you, what do what do Mormons think about that play in general? Because that is like incredibly commercially successful. It's like one of the biggest plays on Broadway. And yeah. uh, I've always yeah, I've always wondered, like from your guys perspective, your thoughts on something like that.
1: Yeah, I think uh, like I actually haven't seen it. Um, I. I know a lot of people have um but i i think this illustrates it well like when that play came out the church like had a pamphlet that they'd hand out to the people going in that was like if you like you should read the real book too like if you like the play you should like read the book of mormon like and so they were like i think uh mormons like are pretty good about you know taking jokes if it's like not too mean-hearted you know so yeah. I don't I don't think like I do think it's funny that it's uh like pretty acceptable in in the current climate we're in yeah. but uh, like it doesn't bother me that much it's like yeah <laughs>
0: yeah I think anyone that's grown up in any sort of like minority context whether that's their religion or their your background where they're from, you know, if they grew up poor yeah. or whatever, they uh you you tend to develop thicker skin and you just yeah. uh, you just let things roll off your back a little <laughs> bit. <easier. laughs> totally. Um, the the I mean the premise of the play really is quite funny. It's like the most try hard kid versus like the kid that doesn't know anything and they get paired up and they get sent to Uganda together. And it's <laughs> it's really, I I found it to be pretty funny. Oh um, well, yeah, maybe
1: I should watch it cuz yeah, that's I mean very common situation on on your mission. You know, you get paired up with the people that are so much different than you are and you have to figure out how to get along. You're with each other every single day. Yeah,
0: yeah. man. (laughs) It's a, that's a cool experience, regardless of the context, a a strong encounter with another culture at a young age is like, I feel like it's so important. Like you got to do it. just get completely out of your comfort zone. And, uh, yeah, yes. Yeah. Learn to learn to swim pretty much.
1: Yeah, totally. And that's like Korean culture. Like I I learned about it during those two years and like grew to love it. And I I still just love it. Like I, I eat Korean food all the time, like watch Korean TV shows and stuff. So it's like something that's like my love for that culture is kind of stuck with me from that experience.
0: Yeah. They hooked you, man. They got, yeah, you. They got they, you. They
1: got me early, man. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um. All right. So you went to BYU, and it was this after your mission.
1: Yep. Yep. Right oh, after yeah. my mission, just went straight into school. I actually went to a semester before my mission as well, and you know, I was wow. like barely. I barely got into school, and uh, you know, I was right on the bubble of getting in. So I got went went for a semester, and then they'll. They let you kind of like defer for two years and then start pick up where you left off. So um yeah, just went straight to BYU, studied mechanical engineering there. And is
0: that sorry if I if I'm misremembering, but you say your dad had a connection to something similar?
1: Yeah, so both my parents went to BYU and my dad uh he always jokes that he wasn't smart enough to be like an engineer or anything, but he's like a full-on like electrical engineer like he designed his these timing systems um from the ground up and so he's like yeah maybe get some of my tinkering uh prowess (laughs) from him
0: yeah (laughs) yeah and so where did skiing because i mean because you were in l.a and i don't know if you were going up to big bear or whatever but like where was skiing playing a role in like this period of your life
1: Yeah. So I think after my mission, I was just like, all right, I'm going to be a pro skier now. Like, (laughs) that was like, I was like, I got my, like I did what I wanted to do. And like, now my life can start. Like that's kind of how I felt. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to school. I didn't want to like, I wanted to like be like, I, I didn't think I'd still be skiing at this age. (laughs) <laughs> back when I was 21 um and so I was like you know I'm, I'm gonna like set myself up for the future um but I want to like be a pro skier too and so I was like I had a schedule where I could ski maybe two or three times a week um and I'd go to like Park City and Snowbird like just whenever I could and so that was like that's what I would do every semester is just, like, have a pretty – I'd take a lighter winter load and just, like, ski as much as I could.
0: Yeah. And just time period, what was going on in Salt Lake at the time? Was this, like, four by nine days? I mean, yeah. I, know you, I know you're on Saga, so I know that t- that timeline matches up. But, like, who, who else is riding around Utah at that time? Because there was a lot of action.
1: Yeah, like, and that's – I mean, I've always kind of – Like for a long time, I was like kind of on the outside looking in, you know, like obviously after my mission, I, it was funny because I hadn't even seen, uh, Refresh, uh, which is like the most legendary level one movie. Like I didn't see that for years after. And like, um, I just go to park city and like, maybe I don't even know who I'd ski with, like some friends from BYU maybe, or just like whoever, whoever like would come with me. And, like, I would see, like, these, the 4 by 9 dudes and, like, the Saga dudes at Park City. And it's like, back then, it was, like, those guys owned Park City, it felt like. And so I was just, like, I'd kind of watch them and, like, do my thing. But um, it wasn't for, you know, a few years until I, like, even, like, met those dudes. But, yeah, I think that was, like, a big thing, 4 by 9 Saga was, like just everywhere uh and level one was like i think uh after dark was like came out and that was like you know that was like the first movie after my mission that i saw so that was like a big influence seeing like i think ahmet the dolly was like had a sick segment in there partly cloudy as well so yeah
0: (laughs) wow man (laughs) Yeah, that's a that's a really wicked time to be there. And it's uh I like your description of that. It felt like those guys owned Park City. I'm sure it did. I'm sure it felt like
1: that. Yeah, and, and Park City was like so much sicker back then. Like it was just like it was a crazy scene. Yeah. So yeah, it was like it was definitely like a little bit nerve-wracking skiing there, like seeing like all these good guys. And they're always filming and being cool and You're just kind of like, oh, man.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, honestly, this I feel like this ties in well. So you had a series with your brother called The Brother's Brower. And uh, in one of these interviews that you did, however many years ago, you said that you guys started filming each other because no one else wanted to film us. (laughs) Is, (laughs) Is that how you remember things going
1: down all these years later? Yeah, totally. Like, there was, we didn't, like, so my brother, like, had like a pretty sick segment in that movie 44 days and then after that like nothing was really happening like for him on the filming side and so when I got home from my mission it was like well let's do something like let's make something happen and so like yeah I bought a snowmobile he already had a snowmobile and like kind of just dove right in and yeah it was just kind of like well, no one's asking us to come ski with them. So we'll just ski with each other and try to do something cool. And we definitely like had like, uh, we were like out to prove something. Like we were like, oh, people only ski in the park. Like like park doesn't count. It, you have to like land a trick in the backcountry for that to count or like do it in the street for that to count. And so like we kind of like both were like, park skiing is just like practice and then it only counts if you do it in like the backcountry or the or the street and so we kind of like I definitely had like all these ideas that I like wanted to like show and like looking at those edits now it's like kind of funny because they're just like you know we're just filming each other like they're not like they're they're fun but they weren't like groundbreaking by any means but we definitely had that like fire under us to like try to make that happen
0: yeah and yeah it's it's cool and i mean you had obviously through all, all your filming time you had one edit in particular that like really helped you out and that was your super unknown edit and so do you want to talk about that edit was that primarily filmed with your brother or were you guys skiing with other people at the time like tell us a little bit about that
1: yeah so that was like um, a lot of the footage was like all the backcountry stuff, obviously is like with my brother. Um, and we had like released that like some of the stuff in like one of our edits because we were like um doing that those edits at, by that point for atomic. and so it was like, yeah, we had like these edits we were making. We were releasing like two a year. and um we we had done some street stuff together and then like that year that the super unknown video i was like yeah i'm going to submit one i would like just like anybody who would i'd like have a whole text message i'd text anybody who would want to come like help me at a street spot it was like because i had some like really cool dudes like blake balkman was one of the dudes that would just he was always stoked to help out and then I had a bunch of friends that I would skate with and sometimes they'd come and like film or like just come hang out and help dig or something but it was kind of funny like looking back because I was like the only one skiing and like just orchestrating this shoot so that I could do a trick and like for some reason these friends were like cool enough to help out and so like a lot of those shots are just like Just a random person filming and just like I worked so hard to like make that happen and it's just funny because like no one else was like help like directly helping me. I was like get got help wherever I could. Yeah. Wow man. Didn't have like a crew.
0: Yeah. So I mean even prior but it seems like prior to to super unknown so you said that atomic had picked up the series that your brothers that you and your brother were making yeah oh wow okay so you were so you were already starting to receive a little bit of recognition for what you were doing prior to even being in something called you know super unknown yeah 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 go ahead
1: (laughs) yeah totally and it was it was like really cool because i we made like a couple edits and My brother helped me like get a pair of skis from atomic and like get on their like flow program and um yeah and then it was like the next year like okay we're gonna do this and we need this to do it and it was like oh cool okay yeah let's do it so like it was cool that atomic like hooked it up in those early days to like make those edits happen and um my brother was also promoting his business he had a like a trampoline gym with a ski jump into a foam pit and stuff called snow aggression. Yeah. And so we'd also kind of like promote snow aggression through the edits as well. So I think for him, cause he's five years older than me and, you know, he was married and he had a, when did he have his first son? Like he had a son, like while we were filming some of those and it was like, he needed a little, reason to do it as well so it was like promoting snow aggression was also kind of reason enough to like go film and stuff so yeah it was like it was sweet and i think like by the time super unknown happened um i had already been talking like with saga like before like super unknown event happened and so things were like starting to like happen at that point just like and super unknown was just like the what really made it happen
0: yeah so i mean as the process goes you get picked as the finalist and then you get flown out and then there's a big park shoot and then you and uh spoiler alert you won when you <laughs> went <laughs> so uh yeah you want to tell us a little bit about the shoot and then also like kind of like how it felt to win and then what everything that came after it like so we <laughs> could start at the beginning like when you go out there, what's it like? Like how <laughs> cool was it? Cuz it seemed like it was really sick.
1: Well, I'll I'll go back even a little further yeah. um like to submitting my video. Okay, yeah. I was like, oh man, like like is, this is kind of embarrassing to submit a video. Like I hope it's like good enough to like I like tried really hard, but it was like I I've been watching like ski movies and stuff and it's kind of hard to like see the like to know if your stuff is good or not like when you there's like so much stuff up, out there and so I was like oh I don't know if this is good like I'll send it in hopefully it's like gets at least like an honorable mention or something and like once they like released all the finalist edits and like like people like Henry Carlo posted on Facebook and like posted my edit I was like this is fire and like i think gus kenworthy like posted and i was like whoa this is insane like i didn't think that like it would resonate with, like like it did and so that was like insane just going into it like oh my gosh like people like liked my video that's crazy and then yeah i i don't think level one pays for people to fly out like i think i like you know booked my ticket and um And it was, like, that year was really cool because, like, we were at Snoqualmie and the ski patrol, like, the resort let us stay in, like, the ski patrol shack or something. It had, like, bunk beds. And, like, so everybody was in this, like, pretty small building. And it was, like, from, like, the beginning, like, everyone's, like, really cool. Like, there wasn't, like, people weren't trying to be, like, cool guys too much, like, there, everyone was, like, from, like, Sweden and Europe and, like, all over. And so, like, everyone was just, like, stoked to be there. And so it was, like, pretty pretty quick. It was, like, yeah, this is dope. Like, a bunch of guys I don't know that are skiers that are all super stoked on skiing. And everyone's, like, really cool. Um, So the, the event was, like, pretty different than any of the other super unknown events that they had had and kind of like anything since like, it was just up at Snow Call me like, okay, what do you guys want to build? Like there was no standard park feature there. It was like all like just like a weird hip, like, or like a weird like jump onto a rock or like a butter pad to rail. Like nothing was like, okay, go do your double corks. Like, there was no... And so I think that really played to my advantage because I, I'm, like, don't have the deepest bag of tricks. And, like, I, I think that my advantage is that I'm, like, a really solid skier and I can, like, I can, like, do a straighter on anything or, like, do a cork seven on anything. But, like, I don't have, like, the deep tricks on a, a standard jump. So I think that was, like... For me, it was like the perfect situation because I kind of like do, do my thing and it was like it turned out to be to be pretty good. So yeah, it was it was pretty cool. It was like and I I'll keep I'll keep going here. Um yeah. I was definitely like there to like to win, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I I was just like kind of felt like yeah this is like the shot and like if I win like it's like really cool and so I was definitely like throwing down as hard as I could like there's this so it was like this jump to butter pad to a tube like a down tube after and like so it's like you're supposed to like go do a cool like spin up onto the butter pad then like spin onto the rail or whatever and I was like I gotta disaster this thing and so yeah just like went up and like it was like the first like doing this the test hits were just like oh man this is insane what am I getting myself into but then I like just had to do it so I did it and then there was like this hip that was like a super poppy quick jump and like people were going over like the end like Lauren to Martin LDM he was there and he was like started jumping over the whole thing, and, like, and I was, like, I'm going to do a 1080, and I just, like, did this 10 trying to go straight over, I think, and, like, ended up just making it right to the end of the hip, so it was, like, a little bit more than a 10, like, landing in the hip tranny, and I was, like, no way, and I, like, got my grab and stuff, and so I felt like I was, like, fully exhausted after that week of, like, being scared and, like, just... (laughs) pushing myself um so yeah it was it was insane and everyone was so cool like the vibes were like really high um it was really sick yeah that's so tight and we have like, i'm
0: gonna tie in one of our viewer questions so my good friend barkley he, he wants to know what the chairlift jump was like at level oh one. my gosh or yeah level, super unknown excuse me yeah <laughs>
1: yeah that one was like definitely like the one that i like I didn't win that feature. I'll say that for sure. Um, But that one was terrifying, and I was just kind of like, "Yeah, I got nothing on here, but like, I want to hit it at least, you know." And so some of the dudes were like going, like going ham on that thing, and I was just like, "If I can just like do a two seventy off of it, I'll I'll be stuck." But it was like terrifying. It was just like huge, and I was like, "You have to do it perfectly, or else." You're gonna fall into another tube all the way down. Yeah. Um, So, like you said, you came there to
0: win, and then in the video, Josh Berman, it's it's so funny. This, I I gotta tell you, this perspective of it. So, in the video, Josh Berman has this big comical check. He goes, and the winner is Mitchell or Mitch or whatever he calls you at the time, (laughs) and he hands it to you, and the check is for a whopping one thousand (laughs) dollars. And looking back, you know, obviously, obviously our money is essentially worthless now. (laughs) So it's almost like looking back like to like the 1920s and being like, wow, you know, like $50 a month was like a fortune. And so it's like, oh, wow, I I suppose that in 2014, $1,000 was quite a bit of money. Um so my first question is, was it a lot of money at the time for you? Or were you like, yeah, I've had a, re- like, I've worked before. This is an okay amount. No,
1: it it was like, it was like cool to have that, but it's not like, oh, because the year before, I think it was Magnus and he got 5,000.
0: Yeah. And I was so like, five oh, times the amount of money, like literally. Yeah. And this way like, it like went down to
1: 1,000. I was like, oh man. Yeah. Like it was like cool to just like get a check for skiing or whatever you know like paid for my flight and then some you know yeah so um it was well it was kind of funny because like Berman, like awesome dude but this was like a funny thing he's like yeah so uh yeah i think we'll just like use that money to get you on some trips next year <laughs> i was like um i think i'd want to i want the check man (laughs) like he wanted to like kind of not to use it as a i thought that that was pretty funny like he didn't want to give me the money but uh but yeah i got he 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 was he was good on his word he gave me the money and uh and i even got to film with them the next year and stuff but i thought that was pretty funny
0: that is, it is very funny. The first person that gave me some insight into that was David Lesh in the episode that we did together. And he's just uh, like. I listened to that.
1: Yeah. I thought that that was a really interesting episode. It was sick.
0: Yeah. That one, that episode, extremely underrated. I'll say that. And uh, for yeah. sure. And he gave me that insight. He's like. He's like, listen, in the world of skiing, there's people that are more popular than Josh than Josh burn <laughs> And uh but hey, if you're in the business of skiing, t- it's a tough business to be in, you know? Yeah. Making all and, that work and yeah. uh, sponsorship money when, you know, there's not really much of it, supposedly, but uh and so, you know, looking
1: back like with like yeah. the the years I was like, you know, working with Josh, um It's like he's running a business and you know as long as he's like doing what he says he's gonna do like that's fine like i like when i'd go on trips and like like okay yeah we're splitting the van i'm like oh man we're splitting the rental van and like splitting the airbnb come on but it's like he never said he was gonna pay for anything like and he's like doing what he can to like make these ski movies happen so I see it from his perspective too, and like, I'm like stoked for what Josh Berman did for my ski career. Like, people complain about not getting like whatever they get from from Josh or from anybody, but it's like, dude, you you like threw yourself down a set of stairs because like Josh would make you famous and like make you get sponsored or something. Like, it was worth it for you. Otherwise, you wouldn't have done it. So. Yeah. Like, I see both sides yeah. of it. And so, like, oh, yeah. Much love to Josh. I'm sure he's not going to listen to this podcast, but like, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's,
0: I mean, it's, it really is interesting. Like, it's tough because, like, I work in the world of sports TV and sports TV at times could be like, especially when you're first getting started, it's like, like they, They almost act like they're doing you a favor by letting you work in this world. And it's like, listen, "Listen, I appreciate working in this world. I love it. I love going to work every day. And especially at the beginning, you're like, I can't wait for this opportunity. But at the end of the day, even when you're a little grunt, you're still doing the company a favor (laughs) you're still giving, working for them you're still working <laughs> and providing them value by showing up and working so it's like yeah, yeah this is sick but pay me <laughs> so, yeah 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 so i definitely see both sides of it yeah
1: totally and it's like for skiing it's just like if you if you got a problem like there, there's like so many kids in line that'll take your spot so it's like
0: same thing with be sports. careful what you
1: complain about if you're a pro skier you know
0: Yes. You'd thank your lucky stars that someone's given the opportunity because there's someone whose parents will bankroll their whole life that, uh, and that kid doesn't care about getting paid because they just want the experience. So (laughs) Be thankful when you get the experience. Um, And this is just one more funny thing that I read in an interview. So did they give you a bottle of champagne to celebrate?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So they gave me this like, all right, here's, here's the bottle. And I was like, yeah what do I do with this and so Kai Capella was there he's like okay you gotta pop the cork off here's how you do it and so I shook it up and popped the cork off and then just started pouring it on the ground and I think a couple of dudes like (laughs) like they wanted to drink it and so like oh here you go (laughs) so I I have like this picture of me just pouring the champagne on the ground after I won it was pretty funny
0: that is pretty funny um Yeah. So, and then after that, you get to film with level one. You want to talk about that experience at all in the, in the movies that you were in?
1: Yeah. So like, yeah, it it was kind of funny, like just to give you an insight on my mindset, I was like, okay, like, oh my gosh, I won. And like, he said that like, I could film with them. And I was like, I still didn't think it was going to happen. Like, I was like, well, I hope like, I hope it all works out for next year that I get to go film. Like that was like part of the deal. But like, I was just like, so I did not expect to be there. And, and I, like I said, I felt like I was on the outside looking in and like, so I was just like, Oh, is this going to happen? And so yeah, that next year, like, I think like get an email or something like, okay, we're going to like try to do this and this or whatever. And I think pretty, that year was like the big snowstorm in Boston and so
0: so this like 2015 because i i remember that snowstorm yeah <laughs> that was a that was a legendary snowstorm in boston yeah
1: yeah and so i was like boston whatever, that's somewhere somewhere on the east coast i don't really know
0: yeah it was everywhere yeah
1: but uh no so like they invite me on this trip and it was like a street trip and i like wanted to film like backcountry stuff but i like like, yeah i'll do street too whatever and so yeah we got to go on that trip to boston um it was really cool and i got like like i kind of like we had a bigger crew i think there was like four skiers and so when it was like my turn i like really tried to do something good and like so that one i did like that like, upside down Wally thing. It was like a wall ride to like oververt thing, like backflip out, like smacked my head on the first try on that one. And then on that trip, I did the big like fence gap to flat rail, like a big disaster to a flat rail. And that was like another one where I was like, I was like, oh yeah, this like looks like a pretty chill spot. Like, for some reason, I thought it would be like more chill if the rail was flat instead of going downstairs. And so I was like, oh, yeah, like, I feel good about this. And then, like, started doing the test hits where I jump over the fence and land next to the rail. I was like, oof, that was a lot of impact. I don't know. It's like, we've already set it up, and, like, I got to give it a go. And so that one was, like, a pretty big battle of, like, like, probably still, like, the scariest thing I've done, like, where you have to keep hitting it to try and get it. And it's just, like, every hit is, like, terrifying. But that one turned out to, like, there's been just like a couple moments where I was like, that sucked, but it was like good for, to make me be able to like ski for a couple more years type of a thing. Like people saw it and thought it was cool. And so like that kind of like established me more, I guess, but yeah. Yeah. Some of those moments where it's like, yeah, I don't want to do that again. But (laughs) I'm glad that like I got the clip. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I do. I do like those moments of, uh, riding with someone like the. Mo- this most recently happened when I was riding at mammoth with our good friend, Monty, Wright, The Englishman. And he <laughs> was doing this transfer from the main jump to the side. Like he was just doing a huge transfer <laughs> and he did a, this insane rodeo five. And then afterwards, like he just completely almost bottomed out on it, landed at first try and uh he's one of the best skiers i've ever seen a person and afterwards he was like that was terrifying i feel like my heart is going to beat out of my chest <laughs> and those are the moments that bring you back to reality you're like oh yeah this stuff is scary like this yeah. is this isn't normal mellow <laughs> stuff that these guys are doing they're also terrified so uh i do like it when i I, it, yeah. it fills me with a slight bit of joy when i see that you guys are in fact scared to do <laughs> this stuff.
1: Yeah, i think LJ said in an interview or something he like he like, yeah, like when i get to a spot i assess all the risks and if i decide i'm going to do it i just have to turn off my brain. Yeah. And it's <laughs> like that's kind of what you have to do like once you decide to do it you can't like think about it anymore and but yeah, yeah it's oh. <laughs> There's those there's those moments that I I think every single time I hit a jump for the first time, I'm scared, especially in the backcountry, even yeah. if it's like not big or anything, I'm always like nervous to hit it like the first time yeah. and I get a couple of hits and it's like, OK, I got to land my trick. And then it like you feel like more comfortable, but yeah. that, that fear just hasn't gone away.
0: It's such a yeah. I, and I've, I've for sure, this is the tough part of it. recording a lot of episodes. Now my, like, my line is becoming, I've said this before, but I have said this before, <laughs> that one of my favorite things about, I'm just going to stop saying, I'm just going to start repeating myself. <laughs> one of my favorite things is like how regularly with skiing that you interact with fear. Because, you know, if you just have a regular old desk job and you're a regular old person you know, your encounters with fear on a daily basis are like extremely limited, you know, and that's like the places where you grow is when you're like, wow, I'm terrified to do this. I'm going to do it anyways. And, then, <laughs> you know, you get used to doing that And while skiing. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's less intimidating to ask for a raise. It's less intimidating to approach that girl. It's less intimidating <laughs> yeah. to X, Y, and Z because you're like, well, I've already, I'm already used to being terrified. What's another thing to be
1: afraid yeah. of for a moment, you know?
0: Like so, i gotta just
1: yeah have some parallels into the other things in my life yeah yeah i definitely have thought that you know in college and everything like well like i can do this skiing like i should be able to like overcome this in my social life or yeah or whatever
0: yeah it's a very it's it's one of the best side effects of of skiing Is <laughs> just like well I'm already yeah. I'm <laughs> I'm already scared all the time. So I might as well just yeah. keep, keep living in that. Um, last thing from Feldman with level one. Uh, they said that you in this interview wherever it says that you you got to build you had the opportunity to build the jump line and then you did your first dub ten on that jump on said jump line. Is that true?
1: <laughs> it, it, I, I, let's see. It wasn't my first ever dub ten, but it was like. Uh, yeah, so it was like this Brighton shoot. Another like really cool thing, like where it's like there was no money behind the shoot and they were just like, Yeah, we'll like go up in the cat for a day and like build what you want. But so it was like I got to go in the cat with the homie, Alden, and it was like, Okay, let's build a super steep like tabletop here, and then like a little step down that's like really poppy and short so like those were like bmx jumps they were like super poppy like you could go really high but like the gaps weren't big and so and that was like yeah like these kind of jumps like i like jumping high but i would get scared when i have to jump too far so yeah
0: um, send me straight in the air yeah yeah.
1: (laughs) and so yeah that was like like the jumps were like feeling good and like yeah, I got to do like a dub 10 and that was like maybe the second one I've done and it was like I'd never done it on hard snow, only like in the powder, so I was like super hyped. Oh man. And uh yeah, it was cool.
0: Yeah. That's great, man. So let's see. I'm trying to keep the timeline in yeah. <laughs> So I mean those are that's like a, those are two big big years for you, you know? And you're Yeah. Not- I think in the middle of all that if I'm correct like you finish college like you're like all right great my career's <laughs> taken off boom I'm done with college like I'm <laughs> in the real Is that how it played out?
1: Yeah so interesting thing about that it was so super unknown year and then I had one I had two more semesters so the super unknown was in the spring I had to do a fall and a winter and I like the last semester, you have to do your the last two semesters, you have to do your capstone projects where you like work with an actual company and like work with a team in your class. And like and at the beginning of fall semester, once I found out my trips, I was like, OK, guys, I'm going to work real hard in this fall semester. And then I'm going to be gone for a month in the winter semester and then I'll come work hard again. And, like, luckily, my team was, like, really cool. And, like, um. so, yeah, I went on that trip to Boston. We also went to, like, Canada on that same trip. So it was, like, long trip. That same year, I was filming with The Coterie, which was, like, a thing Jacob Callahan, like, filmed. Coterie, yes. Yeah. Coterie, yes. And so she I was in Japan. Dylan Manley, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Dylan talked about it. Yes, yeah. he did, yes. And so was on a japan trip so i was just like yeah i'm gonna be gone for like a lot of this semester but i'm gonna like like when i get back i'll like like really like work hard for you guys and like somehow they were like okay and so i like just kind of like made it happen and then when i got back yeah i like worked hard and like kind of like did all of the mechanical part of our project like spent you know nights in the lab making our little mechanical device work. It was like a little thing that inspected oil pipelines that like went into the pipe. And I like, you know, sat there tinkering like making this thing work. And uh, at the end, like they were all stoked. Like, oh yeah, this thing's awesome. It works and stuff. And like the, the company that we were doing the project for offered me an internship that like summer to, like, go work for them, I was like, no way, like, I was not there for, like, half of the semester, and, like, somehow this all, like, worked out, and so I think, for me, that was, like, a lesson, and, like, just trying to, like, make stuff, like, you got to do what you want to do, and, like, try to make it happen, even though that's not, like, what you're supposed to do, like, I was supposed to just, like, stay in school, and, like, not go skiing, but, like, I was, like, I think I can make both of these work, and, like, it worked out um yeah. so yeah where what was the original question i think i backtracked there oh
0: uh, we were talking about uh, just finish just finishing up at byu oh yeah
1: so yeah i that was like the end of it graduated school and um i let's see i had i had met my my future at that time my future wife yeah you know during that that winter semester and so, like, that summer I went to Sweden because she's from Sweden. And I went to meet up with her. We got engaged. And then we got married in December of 2015. So, I graduated.
0: Uh, yes. I also uh, want to get the timeline correct because I know – I know that you Mormons are efficient with your data. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So when did you guys meet, and when did you guys get engaged? Because I know it's usually a quick turnaround. So
1: we met in on New Year's Eve. Um, One of my friends, Lucky, his name's Lucky. It was this crazy random thing. He had met her while he was in Finland. Yeah. He set us up because she was in Utah visiting her sister. And somehow we, like hung out and hung out for a few days then yeah that's when i was like okay i'm going to japan and just like we kind of facetimed and chatted for the next six months until like i was able to go to sweden to go meet her and that was like a two-week trip in sweden and by the end of the two weeks i think both of us are just like okay where is this gonna go like i was like i don't if this isn't going anywhere, like I'm not doing this long distance stuff anymore. And then we weren't really a thing yet anyways, but after the two weeks, it's like, let's get married. And it was like, <laughs> it was like, and she was like so cool. And she's like, yeah, I'll come to America. Like, let's get married. Oh like, yes. Awesome. Yeah. And so, yeah, that was in July. And then, I, I actually had one more semester, so I had the final semester with the fall semester after that. So, I I finished school, uh, then got married like two days later. And oh then my I, God. Okay, now it's ski season, and I'm married, and like this is crazy.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, for however people always people always rag on things they don't understand, but I can <laughs> tell you with certainty i feel like a lot of girls would like that setup you know <laughs> of guys just being like wow we had a great two weeks together let's get married <laughs> you know it's just so much easier skip all skip all the other crap skip yeah. the uncertainty i like you you like me we're getting married and look at this you guys are still married
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh it's too funny man and you know you see that story a lot like just it's it's funny. That's that is awesome. What are, I what didn't are think that I'd be you? the guy
1: that would do that,
0: but yeah, it's
1: just like that's how it needed to happen.
0: Yeah, no, and I guess when you know, you know. And if you're looking <laughs> yep. for it, I don't know. That that's just life, man. If you're if you're looking for something in particular, you're gonna find it. And if you're looking for something bad, you're gonna find something bad. If you're looking for something good, chances are you'll find something good. So
1: yeah, wow, that's that's it. kind of another life lesson. I feel like yeah, uh, yeah. I was just kind of like. Holding out for what I wanted, you know, and in life, and in in a girl, and like, you know, I I didn't have the most successful dating life at BYU, you know, um, but you know, like, finally something like happened, and I was like, I'm glad that I didn't like settle or anything or settle for something that I didn't quite want, and yeah, so I was stoked that I like, knew what I wanted, and like, finally it happened, you know. All all it takes is one yes.
0: That's all you need. <laughs> yeah. Every other note, every other note prior to that does not matter. As long as you get, there, as long as you find your yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And then, um, okay. So, God, like, excuse me. I, I try to like, not, you know, I'm trying not to swear or anything, just out of respect, because. But <laughs> I mean, just first of all, that's incredible. What a crazy two years you had. oh my uh, gosh yeah just just a whole different whole different life at the after those two years pretty much so (laughs) where does it go from there because that's you know like super unknown for a lot of people that's like the thing that's most known about their career it's like oh wow he had an amazing super unknown run so after that you know that was eight years ago or whatever seven years ago or whatever the math is um What's been going on since then?
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, like I, it was kind of funny because, you know, after I graduated, we got married, we had a little tiny spot we were living in and I was like, okay, like I'm a pro skier. Like I think I'll make just enough money this year from my sponsors to like make it to the end of the season and I don't have to like get a job or anything. And like, it was kind of funny because I think I found myself like, like sleeping in sometimes and like, just like, I didn't, I realized I didn't like just only having skiing. And I was like less motivated somehow it was, it was kind of weird. And so that season, like, it was cool. I like got to have like level one came to Salt Lake and we filmed some street stuff. And I had a pretty bad uh, crash when level one was here. I like, there was like this crazy like rail into a dam. And then I jumped up onto a ledge and like caught my edge and like kind of just like went straight onto my side and I got knocked out and I was like, oof, like that was pretty scary. Um, like, I don't know about like trying to do street skiing. That's like, I don't know, at least the direction I'm going here, like trying to go big or whatever, whatever it is I was doing. Like, so that was, that happened that year. And I think I had like broken some ribs on that fall too. So like the whole season, my ribs hurt, but it was kind of like, I had some good, some good, like me and my brother filmed that year too. Like we had a good time and stuff, but it was just like kind of a weird year, I think, and so luckily, like at the end of that season, my my friend who owned the house that I was living in and like a really good friend through college, Landon Smith, him and his brother, like, were like, "Hey, do you want to come like work with us? We're like at this medical device company, and we're gonna like start this." little side company to like supply machined parts and like automation fixtures to this company. And I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. And so I kind of like had, had a job and it was like kind of like starting our own business type of a thing, like maybe a little easier than that. Cause we had a little, a customer kind of built in, but that was like, okay. That like, we bought a CNC machine. My dad let us put it in his, his garage in the back of his house my parents were really cool to let me use that space and let us run our business out of there and so then I kind of had like a flexible job and that's what I really wanted I wanted to have a job that would let me keep skiing you know and so from there it was like okay cool like I don't I don't even need like sponsor money like I was never making much money skiing like you know, a few thousand dollars. You know, and so I was like, okay, cool. I have got this job. I can work whenever I want. And I think after that, it was, I was like kind of more motivated again to like make whatever happen. And that's when my brother was kind of like over it. Um, you know, he had his family, he had his business, and I think like it was getting hard for him to like keep pushing his skiing and doing all the all the other things so that's when brothers brower that was last year brothers brower and i was like skiing with jonah williams and jacob callahan and like really cool dudes and so that year we did a i was like coterie's not happening right okay like let's film together whatever something else and so we did a little series called digital style and we just we got to go to Japan. I planned this Japan trip and we got to go there again. And then we filmed in Utah and I, I don't know. I was like working a lot. So I didn't feel like I was skiing that good that year. And oh man, what was the next year? I think there was a few years where I was like, not yeah. skiing enough, you know? And did you
0: have like any, like the primary sponsors at the time? Was that like the atomic saga time period?
1: Yeah. 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 And so I like, Atomic was like good, a great sponsor, um, and Saga was like kind of like starting to teeter. Where I was like, "Hey, I didn't get paid last year, like for my last year stuff. Like, what's going on?" And I'm like, oh, and so it was like kind of like Saga was like starting to crumble, and so yeah, I think there was like a bunch of years where. I was kind of back where it was like yeah I don't I don't really have a crew to film with and just like kind of going on Instagram like filming on Instagram like to release my clips on Instagram just like and that was pretty fun to just like go up build a jump post the clip the next day and it was like kind of a cool change of pace and so it was like a bunch of years like that and uh had a good time but uh man what i think i wanted to like film something again like after a few years of just like only doing instagram stuff um so yeah i don't know you'll have to prod me somewhere i'm trying to think of uh... no of
0: course and i and it's good because i uh (laughs) i reached out to jake dubay earlier today and had a little (laughs) phone call with him and so I'll I'll give you some stuff to to prompt. You. <laughs> so you get out, you start working. You know your brother's working. Everyone around you's working. You have a family now, and uh, you're kind of more or less on autopilot. If that's a fair statement, it's like you're you're getting the flow of being an adult and balancing everything. Yeah. So what Jake said was uh, he wanted me to ask you about, and this is kind of. You know, the, maybe couldn't put in the cart before the horse, like get into the line thing early. But he said he, he thinks it's cool that you've kind of come full circle because you like at the beginning, towards the beginning of your career, you were in some traveling circus episodes. And then you, were, <laughs> then you went away for a while and you rode with Atomic and then now you're back at line. So I don't know. Is that is that a perspective you take on your career that you've kind of come full circle and landed sort of back where uh, you started a little bit?
1: um well i i was actually the traveling circus i think i was in one or two like and it was like just cool because will was like hey we're in utah like you want to come film i was like traveling circus no way like yeah (laughs) that's insane i was so stoked to get clips in there um that was like probably like man 2017 or something so it wasn't too long ago yeah so maybe jake thinks that I was like more a part of it than I was back then but uh that that was like I think I've maybe come full circle and just like the past couple years like skiing's been super fun and like kind of like I think like joining line kind of rejuvenated some of my like passion for it and and not to like I was I've been super stoked and have felt very lucky like this whole time like being able to like ski as much as I do for the past, gosh, 10 years. And like, even during like the years where I was like, not nothing too much happening, I was like, I'm living the dream. I've got, got a business that lets me ski. I can go ski. And like, for me, I think I just, I've always wanted, like, once I feel like I'm not progressing, like that's when I'll stop, you know? um and so some years I'd be like man that last year I didn't feel like I was that good at skiing and so I'd like work harder that next year and like like oh okay yeah I I feel the fire again like I learned a new trick or like did something new and like that's what keeps me going And as I get older it's like kind of just like this game of like can I like do better this next year can I learn something new next year and like and I just have to be skiing enough to where I feel like comfortable enough on my skis that it's really fun and like things keep coming. Yeah. You know?
0: so, so there was a full circle moment. It just wasn't quite the way that it, it was originally <laughs> yeah. painted. Yeah. Yeah. I, sorry, Jake. I, yes. <laughs> Not everything revolves around line, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah i think it's cool i think that's a common experience for a lot of people where they kind of uh they feel you know they they want to be part of skiing so bad and then they become they become part of it and the the charm wears off and, <laughs> and then they rediscover the charm that brought them in in the first place yeah know? uh and I think that's a really beautiful experience. And so, how did so how did you end up going from Atomic after all those years to like to landing with Line now? Because you got because you got you signed with Line at like thirty something years old, correct? <laughs> yeah.
1: was, this was my second year with Line. Just finished the second year, so okay. yeah, I was like thirty one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think uh, like I was definitely like feeling like the fire to like do some cool stuff in skiing um, a few years ago and like finally like i was like just around and like uh tom wallish was around like in the backcountry and i'd see him out there and like tim mcchesney and like um and so they had just released a backcountry movie and i was like oh i went to go see it and saw them. i was like hey i want to like come ski with you guys and like and then Strictly was like just starting to like go heavy into the backcountry and I I heard that they were like in Logan and so I was like kind of like I want to like make a segment or like I want to like do something good in the backcountry and uh, Strictly was coming to Logan and I think uh, Ethan Swadberg was like oh yo and I was like hey can I come like join you guys and so this this story is like really insane like but it is a it is relevant to like my shift in thinking but um so we were like filming like the super deep day and like super epic like so deep that you couldn't like ride your snowmobile in the flat like you couldn't stop on flat or else you'd get stuck type of like that's how much snow there was and like awesome day like I got like a really like a switch seven off of a cliff that I was like super stoked on, and then like Benny was like Benny Mon on instagram he was he was like hitting the hugest cliff, like probably like sixty to eighty foot, like insane like a pretty flat land and he like jumps off this thing into like this hot tub of snow like comes out like yeah. Woo! And I was like, okay, like, I guess you can jump off anything today. Like, that's insane. So kind of at the end of the day, I, like, there was this cliff that I was like, this cliff is like, looks doable. And for how deep the snow is, I think, like, I I should be able to, like, go and do a straight air off this cliff. And so, like, me and Ethan, like, double up there. And Ethan Swadberg is up teeing off something else. And so I go hit this, I go like step this thing, kind of look over the edge. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty big, but like it's so deep, I should be fine. So like homies are down at the bottom and I like go off this cliff. And the, the second I go off, I'm like, uh, this is way bigger than I thought. And I, it's not even like that big, but just in my mind, cause I haven't hit that many big cliffs. So I was like, this is big. I'm gonna pull a Julian car and just like so I like went off and kind of once I saw how big it was, I leaned back and like I'm gonna just hot tub onto my back. That's what I I've seen people do that. And so I I did that and just like kerplunk into the snow. And I'm like, ha, that was kind of funny, like silly, I thought I could do that. And then I couldn't, I was like under the snow and I couldn't move. Like I couldn't move my hands and like I was buried in the snow but my skis were sticking out so I was like kind of upside down almost my skis are sticking out of the snow the rest of my body is like trapped under the snow and I can't move my hands to like dig because my I had my pole straps on and so I'm just like stuck there and I'm like trying to get out and then I'm like okay like I'm gonna give one last effort to try and like free myself out of the snow and I I couldn't and so then I was just like okay I'm just gonna like try to slow my heart rate and relax and I know there's homies like down at the bottom like they're gonna come come get me and then I just remember waking up like with all the homies like looking down at me like like oh my gosh And then I I like slowly like came out and was like, Oh, you guys did it. And (laughs) like, I, so I was like, and come to find out I was like under there for like 10 minutes and it was like a, you know, near death experience. I was like, you know, like they got to me like right in time. Um, It was like super traumatic, I think for them because like, for me, I was just unconscious for most of it. But like, they're the ones that, like, had to deal with, like, the stress of, like, trying to save their homie. And, like, um, I'm, like, forever thankful to those dudes um, for just being on it. And the the thing that was, like, luckily, Ethan was up there. Ethan was the one who got to me first and just started frantically digging. He was telling me he's, like, just digging, and he's, like, sorry, Mitchell. And he started like digging with his foot, like kicking snow out of the way. He's like, if I kick you in the face, like, I'm sorry, but like, I'm going to get you out. And so like, they got me, they dug me out and I like came back to, and, and so that was like, yeah, really traumatic for everyone involved. And it was like, made me rethink a lot of things. And because I, I was like, I've always had the approach in the backcountry that I'm not going to go into avalanche terrain really like I will hit a jump and it'll the landing is the avalanche terrain and so a landing's like pretty short and like you'll slide to the bottom and be buried maybe and your friends will come dig you out like that's the most risk I wanted to take or like hitting like mini golf cliffs and stuff where there's nothing above you that's going to like come bury you. Like you've got this one little steep zone you're landing in. That was kind of like my philosophy, like how I'm going to stay safe in the back country. Cause I'm like terrified of avalanches. I don't want to like go ski lines and stuff. And so that happening was like, oh my gosh, like I didn't even know that that could happen. It wasn't an avalanche. It was just deep snow that I like sunk to the bottom of. And so I think like, I was, like, doing a lot of thinking of, like, well, do I want to keep skiing? Like, how do I accept the risk in my life that this has? Like, what do I do? And um, I think for me, it was, like, I I don't know if I can just stop skiing. And I think I just need to, like, step back and, like, what do I want to do in skiing? Like, I don't need to, like, do the craziest backcountry thing ever or whatever but and so I think after that you know after like a months months had passed years I was just kind of like I want to do like kind of like how I would go skateboarding like just like find weird stuff and do something creative on it like so I was like I kind of want to like maybe ski a little street like ski park and like just like ski Alta like skiing bounds and like just do that. And so like I I'd become more like close friends, like hanging out with Will Wesson, like those couple of years too. Like, I don't know, he was just around, like we'd go biking or or whatever, and like talking about our views on skiing and stuff. You know, he's he's 36. And I was like, oh man, I want to like do this or that or whatever. And And I was like, I want to, like, it would be sick if I could get online and, like, do traveling circus. That's, like, the dream. Like, you go cool places, you, like, ski park or whatever you do in traveling circus, and it's, like, you don't have to do anything death-defying, but it's, like, you just try to do something creative or cool, like, do something, test your skills creatively or, like, technically rather than, like, going bigger or whatever so I think that was like the seed for me and then like that next year like Line was like yeah we don't have any space and then the year after that I was like ah can you guys like I would like be stoked to join and Connor Clayton was like yeah we've got like I think we can make it happen so that was like I was like sick because and I think like Saga had gone under at that point and atomic was like it was like the years after covid you know and i was like i don't know what's going on so i was like i'm gonna do i'm gonna switch over the line and i was like so stoked like pretty instantly like like okay yeah we're we're going on a trip to here to film this and then we're then the like, traveling circus the week after and i was like whoa i have like a crew to ski with and like there's people here and like The line team's, like, super dope. Like, everyone's, like, super down-to-earth and cool. And so it was, like, just so it felt like such a good fit from the beginning. And, like, the past two years have been so fun. Like, I've had – it was, like, my wife is, like, joked, like, why didn't this happen earlier before we had kids? Because, like, now I have, like, these cool trips to go on and, like, friends to ski with and stuff and cool, like, little – edits to make and it's like a little harder having two little little ones at home but like my wife's super supportive and like she's stoked for me too and so yeah it's just been like really fun the past two years and like super like thankful that line like hooked it up and let me join yeah yeah
0: what a story, man. I love it <laughs> when I stumble upon a story that I did not know was coming. I got to say, like, I just ask, how'd you end up back online? And you're like, well, here's here's one of the best stories I've told all night.
1: <laughs> and I, I haven't, like, back? I don't think I've publicly, publicly told, like, that story before. Yeah. Um, not because it's, like, like, it is a little bit, like, there's a stigma of, like, getting stuck in the snow, you know? And, like, I don't know. I just, like, don't like to like parade around talking about stuff i don't know but yeah i feel like it's a it's like i wanted to tell people just to so people know the risks that that we take as skiers and that like anything can happen yeah and like figure out how that works but yeah yeah
0: well i gotta say i i gotta ask because you you mentioned her and it's the first thing i thought what did your wife think when that happened because like was there anything like all right, maybe you got to, maybe you got to hang up the skis. Like this is getting (laughs) a little unnecessary.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was like really tough. And like she was pregnant with our first daughter. And so I think both of us were just like, Oh my gosh, like what, what, what would have happened? Like I could have easily not been here. And so I think like we both talked about kind of, you know, what, what should I do? And I was, I think I was ready to just be like, yeah, if you want me to stop, like I'll stop. And like, I think she knows me that like this like obsession with skiing is like not going to be easily given up. And I think like, it's just like a, besides that thing, like it's a pretty healthy thing in my life and it like motivates me and like all other things. And so I think, she like knows that and like she thinks it's cool and like super supportive. So I think kind of the new philosophy that I had on skiing was like developed with her and like we kind of like we feel like okay with like this type of skiing, like doing this type of stuff. So yeah. No, that's awesome. You guys collaborated and birthed a new vision for your
0: career. That's like yeah, that's <laughs> Yeah. And uh wow what an intense way to change your career yeah that's i mean what a, what an amazing story i uh yeah that, that's yeah that'll yeah, do it man that'll do it it's insane. <laughs> yeah it was yeah and uh and so ever since you've been online you've just been having a blast
1: yeah <laughs> yeah it's pretty cool like like this year we went to Japan. To film a bacon ski video. For that seems like a
0: recurring theme in your career. Is that, yeah. Like, oh yeah, the, this stage of my career, we went to Japan. And then the next, yeah. day, we went back to Japan. And now this new one, we're in Japan
1: again. <laughs> I can never deny a trip to Japan, man. Yeah. It's so cool there. <laughs> um, yeah, so we like did that. I got to go to Norway this year. It was kind of insane. We got, so Traveling Circus was going to Norway. And Emmy, my wife, is from Sweden. And so um, Emmy's parents were like, hey, we're having a party, like a big kind of get together at the end of June. And this line, this like traveling circus trip was in April. And so, like, well, maybe we could fly the whole family out and just spend a couple of months in Scandinavia. And so that's what we did. I like, Excuse me. they stayed in Sweden and I went like, Rota trained in Norway and went and skied a couple of weeks. Then we met up Then I skied a couple more weeks and uh, then just like hung out in Sweden for the rest of the time. And so um, that was pretty cool. Just a little side note, but yeah, I think like with line, it's been super dope. Like I said, like, I don't know with just the, I think the type of skier that wants to ski online is like usually like maybe a little more fun or weird rather than serious and so it's like yeah everyone's super dope
0: yeah yeah jake said that uh quote japan with mitchell was the coolest shit ever (laughs) (laughs) that was how he poetically (laughs) recounted the the
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was pretty fun (laughs) yeah thanks jake that was it was pretty fun to we were like in tokyo and Jake had his little little furry bunny thing he was like toting around. He fit right in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My
0: my sister recently got back Japan got back from Japan and uh she said it was like her first encounter with like cute culture. Like she thought oh, she yeah. understood what cute was before, but like she did not understand what it was until she went to Japan. And they're like, Yeah, hello kitty and all this other crap.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's like just a really cool place to be. And it's like, the skiing's really fun. Like the terrain, it's like, whatever, but like deep snow and just like the, just all the buildings and the people and the food, it's just like really cool to be there. Dude, I would go there and just gain a thousand pounds all,
0: I want to go there to <laughs> ski and just to eat and eat and eat and eat. Yeah. eat. I love Japanese Dude, food. Yeah. You gotta
1: try it someday.
0: I know we're working on it. We're working on it. So, <laughs> did you? So, when traveling circus was in Norway, I remember seeing footage of Andy compete in Jib League. Were you? Did you compete in Gib League at all? Were you? Yeah. Did you go? how'd that go? Yeah,
1: me and me and Robert were driving. I was in Robert's van, and the rest of the boys were in the van behind. And Woodsy calls. Robert was like already invited to be in Jib League, and Woodsy gives him a call. Is on speakerphone. It's like, oh, you're with Mitchell well does he want to do it too i was like sure man like i'm not good enough but yeah i'll like kind of ski and so and andy was like no i'm not doing that like i'm not gonna do that and then when we like did the first day like andy starts like kind of dabbling like hitting stuff and then by the second day andy was like full like all in it was awesome to see yeah and so yeah we like randomly got to like compete in jib league which was like so cool like crazy to see everyone throw down and like just be there
0: that is yeah that's sick dude europe is going crazy right now it's uh it's really cool it's really really cool to see um (laughs) so i got a couple other odds and ends that i want to ask about before we get to viewer questions do you ride for a, a korean clothing company (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah i do what's uh, up with that and what's the name of it yeah they're called dimito uh-huh. and uh after saga went under and whatever i was just kind of like looking for something new and um i'd seen some like korean there's like a, a few korean outerwear companies that i'd seen and like I was looking into those guys And like oh, i'd be sick to ride for a korean company and they had like really cool different styles of clothes that didn't find here or whatever so like finally got in contact with them like yeah we'll send you some stuff so yeah i like was stoked to like to get their domito stuff and then yeah actually this year after japan i went to korea for a couple days and like met up with those guys and skied a little bit so yeah it's just like kind of a a little bit of a full circle like learning korean being able to like Go to Korea and speak my bad Korean with them, and yeah. it was it was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, are the Korean Koreans as stoked as the Los Angeles Koreans when you say like one <laughs> sentence?
1: <laughs> I, I don't. I'm not really in the same situation, I guess. Like some people are like, "Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah," and then some people like maybe because I'm older or something, they just like they don't freak out, or, or maybe just the different situations. But yeah, like. It's like sometimes I'm like "Ah, I should just. I think I learned it's best to communicate in the language that's easiest to communicate in. So if like they don't speak English, then like awesome, speak Korean. Like, but if if, because a lot of them are learning English and they want to like practice English, so it's like okay, yeah, and you're better at English than I am at Korean, so let's speak English and sprinkle some Korean in.
0: Yeah, you open up with Korean, and they're like you're in seoul sir i i (laughs) i grew up in kansas and then moved to the motherland like i speak english
1: (laughs) exactly that yeah Um,
0: (laughs) cool all right so the korean the korean sponsorship is real here's another one here's another one i don't i don't know where this where who floated this out somebody said and you could probably put the pieces together who this somebody was. He says he's been seeing you spend a lot of time with Tom Wallish. Is there anything that we should know about that's in the works? <laughs> yeah,
1: man, it's a. Uh, this year was like kind of like a. I had this idea to make a cool edit, like mixing park and backcountry type of a thing, and so yeah, me and Tom and Robert Rude had brought. Well, Will Wesson let me borrow one of his black plastic tubes that you've seen in videos for years, you know, and man, should I tell you what should I tell you the whole thing? This comes out in the fall, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, you're good. This is this episode will come out in <laughs> September October. So if you whatever yeah, you so, want to announce on here, I'm personally cool with. You keep yeah. in mind what needs to be secret cuz I am oh, like, yeah. I will egg you on and peer pressure you into saying things you may not
1: <laughs> I mean, it's not a secret, but we I like tied this tube on the back of my snowmobile and took it up into the backcountry behind Alta and we like set it up in various places to like hit a rail into powder in the back country. And so yeah, got a cool, pretty cool edit. I'm pretty stoked on the edit and like going to be coming out soon here. So yeah, your eyes peeled for that one.
0: Dude, I forgot how exciting the fall is. The fall is like just for many different reasons, but the fall is one of the best times of year to be in the ski community, to be in America, to just be... Just yeah. to be who we are. It it's is so fun, man. Back to school, you got college football, you got every single awesome video being released. <laughs> you got beautiful you got beautiful foliage. It's just like it's it's a great four months. Um that is very cool. Um and then the last one, the last very targeted one before I start get start jumping all over the place.
1: Yeah.
0: So since you've been with Line, Jake told me that you've kind of been on like in the development. On the development side of the actual skis themselves, can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah. So, like this, this new uh, bacon ski, like they've they made this new ski, and the one I'm really excited about is a 122 underfoot, and that one was like me and Tom uh, were just like we want this like fat powder like jumping ski that's like super noodly and stuff. So like this new, like the bacon is like really sick. And then this like limited edition or whatever they're going to do with this fatter one is like going to just be this noodle that you'll be able to wheelie and nose butter around like so easily and land switch and powder and stuff. So it's been kind of fun to like have input to some skis and like see stuff happen and like, like, Whoa.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sick, man. All right. So now we've got modern day Mitchell. That's like, I feel like we've, I feel like we did a good job of laying out the laying out the whole story for everyone. So now we can get into the random stuff. Yeah. And I don't know how familiar you are with the show. The first of the viewer questions is our recurring viewer question. Do you have a hot take that you would like to share with everyone?
1: Oh man, I should have, I should have prepared better for this one. I feel like I do have like hot takes in skiing. I think, okay. I thought of it. Okay. Boom. If you're trying to get a clip and it's like not quite there, just hike up and do it again. Like get it the way you want it. Like I've seen like a lot of people just like, and you know, conditions aren't always the best and you're taking what you can get. But sometimes I'll see in a video, it's like, I know that you can do that better. Like, I've seen you ski and I know that you can just, if you went up and did it like three more times, you'd come right off the end of the rail or whatever it is. And just like put in that extra couple tries
0: to make it. Yeah. Said in a different way. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing well. <laughs> yeah. 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 I like that one. I'm glad you're able to think of it fast too. That's that's uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um all right cool so we'll uh we'll jump around there's, there's a, the, people love you man we got a people, lot of
1: people yeah. commented that's crazy
0: yeah oh there's quite a few i don't have them numerated but i, I have <laughs> them all listed out in front of me and it's it's a fat one so answer as in depth as you want but keep in mind there's quite a few of them yeah. so uh blonde gabe what is the best utah urban area as someone who has lived in utah his whole life
1: Draper, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I filmed like most of my uh, most of my super known video is like in Draper and like pretty close. It's like the suburban areas. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, for, for the style that I was doing, it was perfect.
0: There you go. But I don't see that much street. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, fake you to switch. What's your favorite lodge to eat at, to eat lunch at Alta?
1: uh and I usually just eat a, a protein bar when I'm up there skiing i I usually don't take lunch i uh just ski until I get too hungry and I go home and eat
0: <laughs> eat, <laughs> eat some real food that isn't a, like a million dollars yeah yeah yeah
1: um
0: speaking of food, oh God this guy's not helping me with his name Will verinsky <laughs> cafe rio or or mod <laughs>
1: will see he's my he's my homie that i ski with will and noah up at alta all the time they're like super hyped super good skiers like just always down to go ski and so i find myself skiing with them a lot of the year but uh i always rant about how much i don't like cafe rio anymore it's really changed quality's gone downhill The horchata is so,
0: good, and their uh, their mints are good. Those spicy mints they give you at the cash register. <laughs> that's bad. Then it. I went to
1: that mod pizza place, and I was just disgusted. It took so long. <laughs> to be, I'm i kind of a, I really don't like when I see a business that's really poorly run when it should be, everything set up to be so good, you know.
0: Yeah. Darn. So <laughs> I'll I'll ask you this. I'll ask you this
1: because
0: I know I know that I know that you Mormons love your little sweet treats. What's the What's the best soda spot in the Salt Lake Valley? Dude, I'm not a soda guy. I don't oh, like come those on. Spots Do you either. like any
1: food, dude? I I I like root beer. I don't like those cookie places and like the little dirty Dr Pepper, whatever the people get at the little Candy Shack. Yeah, yeah I'm not about those.
0: You have to have some sort of vice. Come on, Mitchell.
1: What's your Dude, vice? <laughs> what's my vice? Man, I like <laughs> – let's see. I like. I just like eating burgers. Okay, what's the best burger spot in Utah? I don't know about like all of Utah, the but they like there solid like beer, uh, solid yeah. there's like a Astro Burger, Crown Burger. Those are like kind of the same thing. Yeah. Those are pretty good. Yeah, um, in and out's like a nice, like cheap, quick one. You know, I it's not so quick anymore. But horrible French like, fries. They have, they have some of the
0: worst French fries in the. Yeah, and the fries there. aren't the best. Yeah, it Dude. almost
1: stops me from going there. It, it like almost stops my wife from going there too. Yeah, but burgers are like decent. They're not. It's whatever. Yeah. Yeah. All right. After burgers,
0: uh, Dylan Siggers asked. Do you eat lots of food or not very much food and why?
1: <laughs> uh, Dylan must think I eat a lot of food. I, I, I've grown up always eating as much food as I can until like the past couple of years. And I'm like, okay, I guess I don't need to eat every as much as I can anymore. But like, yeah, I, some people think that I eat a lot of food and I, yeah. Especially when it's like a nice like meat buffet or burgers or yeah. whatever. I don't know. Any anyone that grows up with a lot of siblings
0: has that same issue where it's like, well, it's like survival of the fittest. So I'm gonna inhale my plate and then. But just... I, I don't even think there was any like.
1: It's not like there's any shortage of food. I just like was a skinny kid and like always was trying to eat as much as I could and never gained any weight. So it's yeah. like keep
0: eating keep the good times rolling yeah yeah <laughs> uh, and this is funny i don't know why there's so much food questions so many food questions but andy perry said what is your favorite type of meat
1: <laughs> yeah so andy's probably so i like i think i like beef beef is like a you know it's a go-to um steak just whatever um pork belly is really good but, yeah, Andy Andy understood my food insecurity when you're on, like, a trip and you don't know where your next meal is coming from. That's, like, my food insecurity. And I it really comes out on trips, and I'm, like, kind of get, like, anal about, like, where are we going to eat next, you guys? Because some people are, like, oh, yeah, we'll just, like, kind of figure it out. It's, like, no, I need to eat, like, right now. Yeah. Like we got to go find somewhere to eat. <laughs> and so <laughs> – Andy Andy, at least understood where I was coming from there yeah. on some traveling circus trips.
0: Yeah, man. It's... <laughs> <laughs> I like those questions. I like it when you guys are asking each other questions. It makes me laugh. <laughs> um, let's see. I got so many. What does this one mean? Perhaps you can enlighten me. Ankilla, who does a better Keef box, you or Nikki?
1: <laughs> I don't know what that means. But, uh, yeah, Nikki Kiefer, I skied with him for a lot of years. Really stylish dude. We had some good times, but yeah, sorry, ex and I can't answer that. I don't know what it means. Yeah. I'll have to get the translation on that one later.
0: <laughs> um, Nick, Fernie BC or Nelson BC?,
1: uh, never been to Nelson, so i've I've only skied at Fernie, so boom, I'm gonna have to go with what I've done. Nice
0: and easy. All right. Uh, and speaking of Fernie, Nick asked you, he said, when shooting at Fernie, what is the main difference compared to skiing as somewhere like Alta or another similar mountain?
1: Um, I think Fernie was a longer lap. So, like, there were places that were a quick lap, but, like, some of the cool parts of the mountain were, like, if you wanted to ski that run, you had to, like, ski all the way to the bottom and take like three lifts to get back there where like alta i mostly just ski on wildcat so it's like a 10 minute chair ride and i ski the same run with all the jumps over and over and like so it's like i think that's the difference but i think at fernie if i skied there more i'd have like the better thing like dylan sigars does like have the quick hit spots but like i felt like filming at fernie was like Oh, I want to go hit that jump again, but it'll be like two hours before we get there again. That's like what it felt like. So, yeah. That's, nice. It's, Alta's nice and quick. Yeah.
0: Well, speaking of Wildcat, uh, ski, he asked, what is it like being the best skier on Wildcat? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it depends on the day, man. Sometimes, like when, when Andrew Pollard's there, I'm not the best skier on Wildcat, so yeah stuff no that's uh <laughs> wildcat's so sick and like it's crazy how many like crazy good skiers are there these days like all these like i don't know how old they are but like they've come out of nowhere and like kids are doing double backflips all over the place like like doing a backflip is nothing at Alta. like that's yeah. what anyone if you've skied for two weeks and you can't do a backflip at Alta, like you're behind <laughs> that's what it seems like up there so yeah yeah it's like pretty crazy that's sick
0: um here's another very specific one that yeah hopefully you could read through <laughs> trifes why does he grunt so often tell him coach trifes asked that <laughs>
1: <laughs> i don't know it's just a little tick i have i guess robert rude pointed that out when he was like hanging out with me here because i just like grunt when i'm like maybe like turn around to put the car in reverse or digging like shoveling to build a jump. I just like grunt. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why I do it. Trikes. Sorry.
0: Yeah. Brief. I feel like it'll only get worse with age as well. Yeah. Don't, don't imagine it's... the grunts lessen as you get. <laughs> um, okay. This one LB photo 50, 50 tips.
1: You got to keep your knees apart. It's like a bow-legged situation. So that's how you can lock into a tube. It's like your skis make kind of an A-frame. So it like kind of clenches onto the tube. That's the tip. There you go. And so
0: here is a related question. I love this interpretation of it. This is from someone named Jake, not Dubai. He says, as an avid 50-50 enthusiast, do you agree with splitting the bill 50 50 on a first date or do you commit (laughs) or do you commit to the whole thing and hope to get something out of it at the end
1: (laughs) oh man i i I would pay for for dates if i went on a date i paid for the whole bill um but i didn't go on dates too often i usually just hang out so yeah i was like that's where it's like iffy you're not gonna pay for everybody yeah
0: yeah, Mitchell's first date is a proposal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get it right. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, pay for the whole bill
1: if you're. Yeah, if you're- I, I'd yeah. say that's that's the classy move is pay that's for the, the whole bill. Move. Then, when you're better friends, you guys can start splitting it up.
0: Yeah, then you when you are comfortable confessing that you're actually poor, which it's okay <laughs> to be poor. But pay for the first one and then afterwards, you know, then you could have that conversation like, hey, these, yeah. dates, are, these dates are getting a little expensive. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, how does one prepare for a switch dub front? Which to me sounds horrifying. <laughs> yeah.
1: Dude, I, uh, I... So Tom, Wallish and P-Moore... Patrick Moore got me to and Steve step one day at Woodward got me to do a switch front, flip. we all were like, like, okay, we got to do a switch front flip off this little jump at the top. And so we all did them. Um, and I was like, Oh, switch front flip. That's a sick trick. And then I like started doing them a little more. And then I actually went to Woodward last summer and was like learning how to rollerblade into the foam pit, like go down the huge ramp and jump into the foam pit and you can like, mimic some ski tricks and so i had done just been doing like double backflips and stuff and i'd randomly like do switch front flip and like did a couple switch double front flips. was so like hey that kind of works i don't think i'll ever that'll be a few years from now if i ever do it and then just up of that jump that day i did a switch front flip and it was like okay cool landed that then i tried like a switch dub nine that went horribly wrong and i was like okay well i just did two flips and i know i can just stay straight and do a switch double so i just like was hyped and just did it and it happened first try so i was like okay cool <laughs> it was insane
0: now it's time for three let's
1: <laughs> <laughs> i guess that's how the progression goes
0: <laughs> Man, all right cool so these three next questions in a row they're all kind of similarly related. So I'll read them off to you. You can take them however you want. P Ring asked, what's the secret to the nose press? Raf Diaz said, Nose Manny on Rails, how and Mason Kennedy asked the longest press you've ever done. So you got three people all wondering very similar things.
1: Yeah. Uh Mason, I don't I haven't done very long, just like maybe at Brighton that like double box put together. I don't know yeah uh and i don't know for nose press you just have to work up to it i think that's like where you because like proper nose press you can't let your tails touch the box ever and the hardest part is getting into it and so i think you could just start out like going on 50 50 then leaning forward and then as, as you get more comfortable you just keep working your way to make it happen and then once you get comfortable you can just like fully dive into it and it works yeah wow um (laughs) i'm definitely like a work my way up to things type of guy like like if i'm hitting a spot or something i like do a 360 first i don't just like go straight for the crazy trick or like jump to the side of the rail a couple times like feel it out so i definitely work up to things
0: Nice. We'll give, uh, to close us out before we ask you what's going on in the future, I'm going to let Jake have his moment and ask and have, I'm going to take a couple more things from our phone call. So he, he wants me to ask you, why does everyone call you uncle Mitchell?
1: Cause I'm old, I guess
0: old head simple as that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he also wanted me to, you to tell us about your Honda element. He said, you got quite the setup.
1: Yeah, I got a cool little Honda Element that, uh, you know, cars are expensive these days and I just like, I keep driving that thing. And so I, I got a nice swivel seat for the passenger seat in there so I can like put my boots on in the car and do like some laptop work in there or whatever, just chilling out the parking lot before it opens. So yeah, I got a nice little rig. It's pretty cool. That's so tight, man. Um,
0: Looking at the rest of the conversation that I had with Jake, it's we we've covered a lot of it actually, and we've covered it all in a good way. And uh, he thinks he thinks the dad cam footage of you at White Pass is like the funniest thing ever. <laughs> I still got I still gotta watch it. <laughs> um, yeah. So so leave us off with this. We've covered a lot, and we've been going for almost two hours, and it has yeah, been, has totally not bad. felt like two hours. Yeah, this these <laughs> two hours have really flown by. It's been. It's been awesome, man. Uh, so, what's next for you? What's in, what's still in the cards? Thirty-two, old head, Uncle Mitchell.
1: Thirty-three, yeah, <laughs> thirty-three.
0: There you go. Yeah. So, yeah, like, what's what's next? More kids, solo projects. You know, your own event. What 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 you got cooking? What what would you like to still do?
1: Um, I think I just like want to keep skiing. Like I was saying, I just want to like still feel like I'm. I can do the things that I think of in skiing. Um, so I think that's, I think I just want to see how long it goes, like see how long my life will allow me to do it. I think like, maybe another kids in the future and things always get each kid's things get more complicated. I don't know, but definitely stoked to keep riding for line and like just make things happen nothing like set in stone i just like have a goal to keep progressing and um it's kind of cool to like work with line on some ski design I think in in the next uh couple of years we should have a new blend which would be really cool and so um yeah i think i just want to keep pushing myself i you know try to stay strong stay in shape and Keep learning new things every year. Yeah, that is so
0: great, man. So I didn't I forgot to bring this up during the show. This would be a good opportunity to shout this out. Plus some other things you want to shout out. Your wife has a really unique business. You want to shout that out really quick because I forgot to yeah. I really forgot to ask you about it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. It's called OK and it's spelled OK as if it was the Swedish language um, and She's a really talented designer and kind of like any aspect. And so just one day she was like, Hey, I want to make some rugs. I want to make some rugs that will sell. And I was like, that's kind of weird. And then she showed me kind of what she was thinking. of. I was like, Oh yeah, this is really cool. And so she had been working, um, some random like, uh, design jobs and had some money and I, had some money too so we like ordered a bunch of rugs that she designed and kind of like went from there and it was like perfect timing because everyone was stuck at home for covid when we started and people wanted to make their space nice and so we kind of just like started this business and she designs all the cool things and i just like ship out orders and email people so it's it's pretty amazing
0: yeah Cool. So is there anything else you'd like to shout out before I let you go? Or any other, actually, I've, I've also been offering guests this opportunity recently. Is there any little nuggets of wisdom that you want to drop on anyone? Anything that you really feel like you wanted to say that I didn't give you the opportunity to say?
1: Um, No, I think I touched on it. just like my philosophy is just like, you know, do what you make, what you want to do happen. Like, I think you can easily just, like there's a pathway kind of set up for you like whether it's at school or whatever I, I think my friend Lucky I mentioned who introduced me to our wife he was like influential and he was like doing in his major he just like made his own major at school because he wanted to do a certain thing and they were like oh okay and um, so I think if you just have something you want to do just like you'll be surprised if you try to make it happen that things fall into place and like you can make stuff happen and live your life how you want it to live it. Yeah.
0: Nice. All right. Great. Give the shout outs, give the plugs and then we're going to get you out of here. Cause we just hit yeah. the two hour mark on my time. Okay. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. Shout out just to line and all the homies that I skew with. I, I wish I could recall all my friends quicker. If I, didn't, I, if I didn't mention your name, like, I, I'm sorry, and I love you and stuff. But, um, yeah, I'm super stoked on my wife and the way she supports me through everything. My parents are awesome, and they've supported my skiing for my whole life and, um, you know, got me into it early and supported my racing career and helped me get through college. So, yeah, definitely – super thankful for everything my parents have done and yeah
0: incredible thank you for being on man where where can people see your stuff what's your at
1: yeah my instagram is at Mitchell Brower I think that's cool. like the only thing that that you can really contact me there so yeah
0: <laughs> yeah it's been real man thank you so much for coming on that was awesome
1: thanks Ethan that was crazy that we just talked for two hours. Yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>